All right, imagine this scene. One of your children was recently married. She is now back from the honeymoon, been back in town for a couple of days, and you haven't heard from her. Do you call her, or do you wait for her to call you? Here's Barbara Rainey. I think that the best course is to give your children as much freedom as you can and then let them invite you back into their lives rather than showing up all the time and calling every day and there being a sense of just leave us alone, you know, because sometimes parents are over-involved from the beginning when they, what that other person really needs is for them to step back and then be invited. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. Are you giving your adult children the space they need? We'll talk more about that today. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. We're talking this week about parents uh, dealing with adult children and how our relationship as parents has to change as our children become adults. And I always think about Um, Stu Weber's wife, Linda, who joined us years ago on Family Life Today, and the point that she made uh, when her son had just gotten engaged. You remember this story, I do remember the illustration she used. (laughs) She gave a present to her daughter-in-law, and it was the night of the rehearsal dinner, right? Right. And the daughter-in-law opened up the box and pulled out two strips of cloth. Apron strings. That had been clipped. It was Linda's way of saying... The relationship is changing. I acknowledge that. And uh, the apron strings belong to you now. Uh-huh. And uh, to talk about the apron strings, we bring uh, Barbara back to the <laughs> studio, my uh, my bride now, since 1972. Have you clipped off some apron strings? We have. <laughs> no doubt we about have. it. And, you know, contrast that with parents who lengthen the apron strings Mm -hmm. when their kids get married. The tether, you mean? Oh, Mm -hmm. my goodness. And the problems that that brings. You know, in raising kids, you move from high control to ultimately no control. Mm -hmm. You move from total influence to, um, how should I say it, a minimal Influence. Limited influence. Limited mm-hmm. influence. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the better way to state it. Well, and, and that's that's what I'm wondering. Does the relationship between uh, parent and child change to the point where there is virtually no influence, where there is no control, or once they're married, do it, you still have some level of control? Yeah, it, it can move to that, Bob, at the um, decision of the child. It really does depend upon the adult child if he or she is going to allow the parent or the parents to influence them. For us, we really wanted to be invited into our adult children's lives as opposed to assuming that we could have influence. We wanted to have some influence. We still wanted to keep the relationship going, and we hoped that they would call and ask for advice on buying their first house or a job or some of those kinds of things. But we didn't We didn't assume that that would be the case, and we didn't we, we just didn't want to presuppose anything with them because we wanted them to want our involvement in their lives. And you've gotten that invitation from your children, right? Mm-hmm. If you hadn't gotten it, let's assume for a moment mm-hmm. that a child didn't call and ask for your opinion on buying a first house, changing a job, any of these things. 
There was still a cordial relationship, but a, a clear signal of distance. Hands off. Would you observe those boundaries and mm-hmm. say, that's the way it ought to be? Well, yeah, because to do otherwise is to um, not really give them their freedom. It's to not give the apron strings. It's to say, I still know better than you and you need me. And all that's going to do is create resentment and hostility. And it's just not healthy for a relationship. So I think if our any of our kids had made it clear that they didn't want our advice or our thoughts or our counsel, we wouldn't have given it. We're talking here about what adult children need when they get married. Mm -hmm. And I think they have some very specific needs. First, they need the blessing and the approval of their parents as they begin to establish this new relationship that they've never had before, that they've never experienced before. And they need us to, I think, provide... Uh, if not in a ceremony, certainly through our words and our attitudes, a sense of sending them into the marriage and commissioning them in this this new relationship. It occurred to me when Ashley married Michael, Benjamin, our son, married Marcia Kay, and Samuel married his wife, Stephanie, that all three of these young men at this life stage needed an older man a father figure in their lives to bless them in their new role as a husband. And so what I gave each of those young men was a poem that I wrote called Be the Man, Be God's Man. And I wrote three unique poems that were charges as well as a blessing to each of these young men as they got started as husbands. And to commemorate that, I not only framed that, and read it to them, but I also gave them a sword. We found the first one at uh, the Army-Navy surplus and then went online to find additional swords, but these were the real deal. These were not toy swords. Mm -hmm. These were sharp as razors and made of finely honed steel. And today, in in all three of uh, these young men's lives— they have the charge to manhood, to be God's man in, in marriage and family, and their swords hanging in their homes. And I have to believe that it's, it's more than just symbolic. I, I think it was a, a statement of a passage for a young man to say, you know what? I have a sense of an identity. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm supposed to be. And Bob, when you do this as a parent, you're not only helping them establish their identity, you're also establishing how you're going to relate to them in their new assignment. Mm-hmm. Barbara, the, the scriptures say that in marriage, we are to leave father and mother. We're to cleave to husband and wife. Uh, so there is a level of independence that is prescribed by the scriptures for marriage. I think the question is, how complete is that independence? That's where it gets fuzzy, you know? Yeah, it really does. And that's why I think that the best course is to give your children as much freedom as you can, and then let them invite you back into their lives. I would rather err on being less involved and have my kids say, why don't you call us more often and we want you to come visit more often, rather than showing up all the time and calling every day and there being a sense of, just leave us alone, you know, because that that can happen. And I think sometimes parents are so eager to continue that relationship and to get to know the new person in the family, the new spouse, that they are over-involved from the beginning when they 
what that other person really needs is for them to step back and then be invited. Yeah. But what if the invitation back in on the part of the child is really an invitation saying, I want you to be my parent again? (laughs) Yeah, that could happen. Or I want you to... Rescue me or uh-huh. help me out that? financially. Well, I think parents just need to be discerning and and understand what the request really is and not get sucked into rescuing this couple because mm-hmm. the young man needs to be the provider and the leader of the family. And for parents to step back in and assume that at any level is to undermine him as the husband. Genesis uh, chapter 2, 24 and 25 makes it real clear. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And if we're not careful as as parents of adult children as they get married, we'll undermine a spouse, whether it be a male or a female. We'll undermine their their relationship, Mm -hmm. uh, create divided loyalties. Your children must leave you. That's right. Your children must leave you if they are going to cleave to their spouse. And if you attempt to undo the cleaving by pulling them back towards yourself, either through manipulation, through anger, through pouting. I've had uh, adult children tell me all kinds of ways that parents have tried to get their way through them. And in the process, they become dangerous Mm -hmm. to the success of the marriage relationship. And I just want to underline what Barbara said. If you have to err on one side or the other, and this is our firm conviction, I would rather our children be inviting us back in than telling us to get out. But if they're inviting you back as parents, if they're saying, rescue us, save us, help us, you got to be discerning in that. Mm-hmm. You really do. Mm-hmm. There's one other thing I want to point out here, too. Your children are constantly going to be looking into your face for approval. They looked into your face for 18, 20, 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And what you have to be careful as parents is that you give an appropriate amount of encouragement, cheering them on, putting your arm around them and telling them what a great job they've done. But then it points when they surprise you or they shock you or they make a wrong choice. Tell your face to play poker. I mean, put on a (laughs) poker face. Do not scowl at them, judge them, become critical of them. And for some of us who tend to wear our feelings on our sleeves and are very open people, that becomes very difficult. Mm -hmm. But I have, on more than one occasion, as I've related to our adult children, I've had to just kind of internally go, now, Dennis, (laughs) keep your emotions. They are their own person. They're not a Mm six-year-old. Even though they may be acting (laughs) like they're a bit younger. Maybe not like a six-year-old. And, of course, these would not be our children that would do this. (laughs) Right. But you will find, as you raise adult children who get married, their values will not be your values. Right. They're going to have their own, and you have Mm -hmm. to give them freedom to have their own values. That's right. Some of the best advice I remember hearing on this particular topic came as we were interviewing Carolyn Mahaney and her three daughters. And Carolyn said the girls would call regularly and say, Mom, what do you think I should do about this? What What's your advice here? And I remember her saying that her first question back to them was always, well, what does your husband think? <laughs> yeah. And I thought, mm-hmm. now that's shrewd. It is. That's a mom Very who wise. understands that the loyalty and the allegiance needs to be transferred. And your daughter's and daughters-in-law have invited you into 
their lives. Did they know they were supposed to do that? You know, Bob, before our children were married, we told them that up until the point where they tied the knot, we had a few things we we were still going to say. We were still going to say. <laughs> and some coaching tips and maybe some final shaping of of even an adult child before they got married where, where we felt like, you know what, before you take on this commitment, this is fair game. This is a healthy discussion. We're, we're going to talk to you about how you two come together here in this thing called marriage and maybe some patterns in your life that we see will impact your marriage. But we told them, after you get married, if you want our opinion— you're going to have to ask for it. Hmm. That means if you want our help and our opinion about some issue between you and your spouse, you're going to have to ask for it. If you want some help about disciplining children after you start having children, you'll have to invite us back in to do that. And Bob, all of our children have done that. Hmm. But I think it was the freedom we gave them to say, you know what, you've got to decide whether you want to invite us back in and we'll come back in on your terms. And you think in general, Barbara, that parents ought to take the responder role rather than the initiator role once marriage has taken place. Let them initiate, you respond. Don't you initiate and start offering advice. Yeah, I would really agree with that because then that gives them the freedom to make their own choices and to create their own life and to work out their marriage the way they want to. And I just think it keeps parents from intruding and coming across parental. When your daughters or your daughters-in-law have invited you in and sought your counsel, what kinds of things have they asked you about? Well, I had some conversations with Ashley, I think, from time to time because she married first. She was about four years ahead of the boys. And after um, Samuel's wedding, we were still all together, the rest of the family. We hadn't all left and gone back to our respective homes. And we were talking with Ben and Marsha Kay, who were engaged and were to be married six weeks later. And Marsha Kay was so sweet and so kind and, and said to me as we were just sitting around having a conversation, she said, you know, I'd really like for you to give me some tips on being a wife. And I remember feeling so honored, first of all, because I really didn't know her that well. She was kind of the new kid on the block in the family, so to speak. And um, Well, and she's marrying Barbara Rainey's son. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got a chance to get Barbara Rainey's advice. Every young woman wants that, don't they? Well, not necessarily. <laughs> I, I sure wasn't going to give it without being asked. But And I didn't expect that, actually. I had no intention of giving her any advice, or Stephanie either, for that matter. But, um, but Marsha Kay said, you know, I'd really like to have you give me some tips on being a wife. I've never been a wife before, and I just would like for you to do that. And I remember, I just remember feeling such an incredible sense of honor that she would ask. And so um, I asked the other two girls, I asked Ashley and Stephanie both if they would be interested, and they said they would. And so I began to write them just on topics that I remember learning about in our in our years of marriage. And I started out by writing things that I remember learning those first few years. And then I broadened it to things that I've continued to learn over the course of our marriage. What's one of the things that you've shared with them? Well, the first letter that I wrote, um, I just wrote some things that I remember learning those very early months of our marriage. And I wrote about how I learned how to pray and how not to pray for my husband. And so that was the topic of the first letter. And would you like for me to read a piece yeah, of it? I'd like to know you would? what you learned about how to pray and how not to pray, yeah. Okay. Well, it was hard to pray for me because 
There wasn't much that needed to be no, fixed, right? No, there is. It <laughs> okay. was kind of boring there in the early years. You know? All right, now let me read then. <laughs> what really happened. A truth yeah. check coming up here. Yeah. And now the rest of the story. Yeah. Well, here's one of the paragraphs that I wrote. One of the very first lessons I learned as a new wife was how to pray and how not to pray for my husband. Even though we'd been good friends for three years before we married, I quickly discovered just a few short months into the marriage that there were some habits, tendencies, and weaknesses. (laughs) Rewind the tape. Hurry. (laughs) Habits, tendencies, and Uh weaknesses. Bob, 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 you don't have to repeat. (laughs) The the listeners heard it the first time. Keep going. Keep Keep going. going. I'm loving this. Mm -hmm. We're calling Marianne next. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, there were some of those things, I won't repeat them, in my husband that were not so pleasant. We were living in Boulder, Colorado that first year of marriage, and neither of us had any friends locally, much less a mentor. Mentoring was not even a concept then. I had a good model of faithfulness and loyalty and servanthood in my mother, but I had no idea if she prayed for my father. I only assumed that as a Christian wife, and I was going to be the best wife that ever lived, I should pray for my husband, and so I began a page for him in my quiet time notebook. I don't remember the details now, only what I learned. Being conscientious, I began to record the things that I started seeing that I thought needed to be changed. I was sure God would agree with me. I added to Could my... Could we now have some, some music that begins to play over her voice? No, 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 no. We're enjoying this too much. How so, about Amazing Grace? There you go. That applies to me, too. Let's see. I was sure God would agree with me. I added to my list slowly, but it didn't take long for the list to grow to 10 or more weaknesses. I felt it my duty to pray faithfully for Dennis and to do it every day. I was surprised, however, to discover that my praying for God to change all those areas only caused me to focus every day on what was wrong, in my opinion. So you were meditating, my on, husband. Your, you're meditating on your husband's weaknesses. I was meditating on all these things every day as I thought that's what I was supposed to do as a wife was bring this before God. Uh-huh. I thought it was the right thing to well, do. Well, <laughs> in the process of that uh, that meditation, did the Lord begin to tweak your thinking? He did. Yeah, yeah. Please cut the music here. <laughs> Give our listeners a little grace, will you? <laughs> so the question was... Over time, did the Lord begin to adjust your thinking? He did. And quickly, I might add, too. I'll pick it back up from the letter that I wrote to the girls. I wrote, I felt it my duty to pray faithfully for Dennis. I was surprised, however, to discover that my praying for God to change all those things only caused me to focus every day on what was wrong. My prayers made me see him negatively, especially since God wasn't answering quickly. I didn't like the result. It may have been a spiritual exercise, but it wasn't fun. I remember clearly one day deciding to quit praying my list. I told the Lord that it was his business to change my husband's life, and I wasn't going to remind him anymore what he needed to work on. I said, Lord, I give my husband to you, and I give you all these things that I think need to be changed. If you want to change any of those, it's up to you. I'm not praying about it anymore. Perhaps it was that day or maybe a few days later, but my shift in focus made a big difference in my perspective. I didn't notice the things that were wrong nearly as often. They didn't bother me as much anymore, and it was a great relief. Hmm. Could we have the hallelujah chorus (laughs) instead of amazing grace now? Actually, the thing I want to know is, can you remember just one or two things from (laughs) the list? Actually, I can. Yeah? I just began to see how different we were. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Here we go. Or <laughs> grace. Because I was organized and more disciplined, and I thought he should be that way too. And I didn't realize how good it was for me that we were so different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just was very immature and very young, you and I didn't, I didn't know how to be a wife. And that's the reality so, for our kids when they get married. Right. And that's why it's hard for us as parents not to want to intervene and help them grow up. Man, I'm telling you. But you're saying, don't go there. That's right. Unless they invite you. That's correct. I know of uh, one pair of parents who uh, have an adult uh, daughter and uh, son-in-law where um, the son-in-law and the and the daughter made some choices that were just unwise and didn't wait to get the counsel, went ahead and rushed ahead to make a major purchase. And, you know, you can make some pretty colossal mistakes in your early months and years of marriage, like purchasing a house Mm -hmm. when you're overstepping your ability. And then you begin to find out you're way overextended. and, And then you've got bigger issues like credit reports. Well, I know in this this pair of parents' lives, that was hard for them to sit back, to watch, and to say nothing. I mean, if you're not invited in and they're about to make a colossal mistake, sometimes it takes a mistake Mm -hmm. for the lesson to be learned. And, you know, the discipline for parents, I thought raising little ones was difficult, but truthfully, saying nothing many times was more difficult as we've related to our adult children who've, who've done remarkably well. But saying nothing is far more difficult than what you used to say <laughs> when you were raising little ones and teenagers. Uh-huh. Well, and, and part of the challenge is that we've raised them as children and as teenagers for so long that we've gotten so used to parenting them that it's hard for us to pull back from what we're used to doing. And that's why I think uh, what we've been trying to do all week is provide some coaching for moms and dads in this area. And it may be that this is one of those series that you need to go back and listen to a second time or share with a friend or share with your spouse so that both of you are on the same page as you raise your children and as you do let them go. The good news is you can download all five parts of this series on our website at familylifetoday.com. Download the audio and listen to it at your leisure. You can stream it from our website, familylifetoday.com. If you have the Family Life app, you can listen anytime you want to this on the app. And if you'd prefer to read the transcripts, uh, those are available as well. And the reason that we have all these different ways of making this program and this series available is because we have listeners who have said this kind of practical biblical help needs to be uh, distributed widely. And so uh, you've made it possible through your financial gifts for Family Life Today to be heard not only on radio, but on the web, through the downloads, through our daily podcast, through our app, and, and then the transcripts being available as well. Our legacy partners and those of you who contribute on occasion, you make all of that possible as you partner with us here in the ministry of family life. Our goal is to see every home become a godly home. And as you support the ministry, we're able to expand and reach more and more people 
with God's design for marriage and family. I just want to say a word of thanks to those of you who are legacy partners, monthly donors who support this ministry, and those of you who will from time to time make a donation to support what we're doing. We're grateful for your ongoing uh, support of this ministry. And if you can help with the donation today, whether it's your first gift as a new legacy partner or it's a one-time donation, We'd love to say thank you by sending you a resource you can use with your children or your grandchildren in the weeks leading up to Easter. It's called Resurrection Eggs. And if you're not familiar with these, it's a dozen plastic eggs, each one containing a different symbol that represents something that happened in the life of Jesus between the time of his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday and the time of his resurrection. It's a great way for kids to learn the Easter story, and learn about the last week of Jesus' life on earth. Resurrection Eggs are our thank you gift to you when you make a donation to support the ministry this week. You can do that online at familylifetoday.com, or you can make a donation over the phone. Call 1-800-FL-TODAY. You can also mail your donation along with your request for the Resurrection Eggs. Write to Family Life Today at Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas, and our zip code is 72223. And again, thanks for your partnership with us in the ministry of Family Life today. Now, I know we've got uh, thousands of couples who are excited about this weekend because they're going to be joining us at one of our Weekend to Remember Marriage getaways. We have a team from here at Family Life that is on the road. They are on their way to Cleveland, Ohio today, where the Weekend to Remember kicks off tomorrow night. They're going to be on hand, uh, getting stories, talking to folks, finding out about what happens at a weekend to remember, and then sharing all of that on Facebook live and with updates. Then they're going to move on from Cleveland to Chicago. They'll be at the weekend to remember in Chicago on Saturday. And from there, they head to Minneapolis on Sunday. If you'd like to follow their progress throughout the weekend, you just need to follow us on Facebook and you can do that by going to familylifetoday.com and clicking the Facebook icon. That'll get you all hooked up. And we hope you'll peek in over the course of the weekend and see what's going on at these Weekend to Remember Marriage getaways. And I hope you'll be back with us tomorrow when we're going to talk about how what's going on with your adult children, even after they've left the home, can still have an impact on your marriage relationship as husband and wife. We'll pick up on that tomorrow. Hope you can be here for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back tomorrow for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.